Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Forrester CXCast. Sam Stern, joined as always by Jenny Wise. Hi, Jenny. Hi, everyone. And we have a special guest in the studio. We're very excited to have our friend, our colleague, principal analyst, Emily Collins. Hi, Emily. Hi, Sam. Hi, Jenny. Emily is the loyalty program guru. Uh, That's what I'm calling her. That's not what she calls herself. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. um, Emily, we want to have you in because I think there's so much of a connection between loyalty programs and customer experience. There's maybe expectations that loyalty programs can enhance customer experience, but I think we've seen in some of your research that they're not necessarily doing that, maybe with a few exceptions. So I would love maybe to start with just can you talk a little bit about your research, what you've seen in terms of what loyalty programs are, where they're going, where they've come from, what most companies are doing with their loyalty programs? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess if you go back 30 plus years, loyalty programs were viewed as like a differentiator for brands. They had their genesis in the airline industry. Uh, When things were deregulated, airlines needed a way to compete against each other. And so loyalty programs had their nexus there. But now almost every company I talk to, whether it's in travel, hospitality, retail, financial services, those are the industries you'd expect um, to transportation and shipping to utilities, <laughs> energy, you know, really any industry, they're interested in loyalty programs as a way to retain and engage customers and in some cases acquire customers. In terms of the structure of programs, generally there's like some sort of material give and get and there's this exchange of value between the company and the customer. Uh, The company is looking to get increased transactions, retain them, get information about them, and the customer receives usually some sort of discount or material reward. And that's really what they come to expect from programs. However, companies give away lots of material benefits to customers, whether or not they're in a loyalty program, right? There's an overload of promotions and offers in my email inbox when I open my email every morning. And I think programs, to some extent, are just an extension of that. And Mm. so it's not really a point of differentiation if every single company offers the program and they're publicly published. The benefits are published, so you can easily copy it from someone else. So it becomes sort of this landscape of efforts that, frankly, consumers expect, and there's like sort of this table stakes in some industries where you kind of have to have a program. You can't just throw it out, but they're not necessarily as effective as I think they could be. That's a fascinating origin story too, right? The fact that suddenly the airlines were going to compete on price. It's one of the most price conscious, sensitive industries, I feel Mm -hmm. like from a consumer's perspective. They said, yikes, this is going to be problematic. We better have a way of saying, uh, please just be loyal to us and we'll promise that there'll be some benefit out of it please. Because otherwise, I mean, you would fly a different airline every time Mm -hmm. if you didn't have a loyalty program. I do see a lot of sort of bizarre behavior Mm. from some of our colleagues who, um, (laughs) or, you know, people who are in abusive relationships because Mm -hmm. they've got so many points, not going to mention any airlines names, but we probably all have our pet airline that we're thinking about. And so that's really interesting origin story. I think that to your point explains a lot of why they have been so discount obsessed and focused on deals and, you know, give and get. Well, and not to discredit programs, but they use game mechanics that are very powerful at motivating behavior. To your point of like the crazy things that people do for status, I read some articles the past couple of years where people are flying on segments between Dallas and Houston to try and get additional segments all day, just flying back and forth, <laughs> trying to get additional yeah. segments so that they heard might that qualify too. for mm-hmm. global services. Right, right. Um, so a there's, mileage run or a segment run or whatever they exactly, call it. Exactly. Right? Or like at the end of the year, you have lots of colleagues who are like, well, I'm going to connect through like three cities just so I can get those segments. <laughs> 
because <laughs> yeah. I need to make sure I maintain my status. There's powerful motivation in that. What you just laid out, and I'm realizing it, uh, what I said before, they might actually be rational because the benefits are enough that to do that one crazy day of travel is worth it for the next year right. to be the one likely right. to get upgraded all year. Well, and, and right. frankly, if you're a heavy business traveler, the experience is materially better yeah. when you mm-hmm. have status. Yeah. And Je- Jenny and I have written research on gamification many moons ago. Yeah. <laughs> Looks at <laughs> several years ago, but yeah. I right. think how do you actually get that person's motivation, which is to fly in comfort. Mm-hmm. And how do you assure that they're going to do that and let them take actions that benefit your business, right? which result in that for them. So it's mm-hmm. a win-win situation, which is funny, though, because now we're talking about loyalty. And one of the things that I was curious about is, you know, when you think about loyalty, part of that is an emotion, right? An emotional draw or mm-hmm. bond with a brand. And that's why you go back to it. And that's what these programs can engender. And that would lead it into the CX point of view more yeah. fully. But we've talked about it right now from a very logical, points-driven give-get, which is almost the antithesis of <laughs> a emotional bond driving the loyalty. So I view loyalty as sort of this behavioral and emotional tie. Mm-hmm. So there's the loyalty is more the emotional side, but the behavioral side of loyalty is like the retention side. Right. And so in many ways, the retention side benefits the business, mm-hmm. and then the emotional side can benefit the business, but also is more about the gratification or kind right. of the, the edification of the customer. Makes the customer feel makes good the customer about it. feel good mm-hmm. about it. And programs today are much more focused on that behavioral side. But one of the biggest shifts that I've seen in this space is that companies are trying to crack that emotional nut, mm. right? They're trying to, mm-hmm. to tie the program in to more experience. So almost in every program that you see, whether it's in travel and hospitality or retail, which is very much a transactional interaction with the customer, there's flavors of experiential benefits, whether it's like a personal shopping day or retailering. And these have been in the, in the space for a long time, but there's that elevation of the experience type benefits that programs are trying to infuse into the space. And look at Starbucks, right? They have order ahead. And that's a very experiential benefit. And it's using time and convenience as a currency within their program. Is this at all driven by the end of retail, quote unquote, the fact that people aren't coming into the stores interacting with these different brands anyway because their business is eroding? Or are they sort of seeing that they need more of these customer experience moments to create memories that people will attach as their version of loyalty to the brand rather than the brand's version back to the customer of you transacted with us three times last month so you're loyal. Yeah. So the way that I think about it is that brands have a vested interest in customers being loyal to them. They're less expensive to manage. They have a higher propensity to consider them, to purchase with them, to expand mm-hmm. the relationship. And you've written about this in your research, Sam. Loyal customers are resilient, right? They're right. willing to experience something that's maybe negative and stay with you and give you the benefit of the doubt. But consumers don't need to be loyal to companies. There are so many options mm-hmm. for them. We've seen in all of our research this fragmentation of behavior and shopping. It's more the brands that need the customers and not the customers that need the brands. And so the problem is that if you're competing on price, That is a very tenuous relationship that you have with a customer. Mm. So a lot of this layering on of additional benefits and brands that do it right, that's where they're actually able to demonstrate the brand values, to demonstrate the brand promise and start to create that unique connection or at least demonstrate to the customer what's unique about the brand. 
to me, there's like that layering on of you get the customers to come into the program with that carrot. You're extending the material benefit of like, we have the discount, sign up, give us your information, and then we have an opportunity to really engage with you. So I, I spoke with Domino's a couple of years ago and they launched their piece of the pie rewards program, but it wasn't just a marketing program. They saw it as table stakes in the industry. I mean, how many nights a week can you order pizza? There's a lot of competition. <laughs> Customers want benefits from them, but they also have been revamping all of their stores. They've really reinvested in the customer experience. And the way that they talked about it was that this is our customer engagement platform. And so this is a way for us to give them rewards for their behavior, but also a new way for us to engage with them and an additional level of engagement. Yeah, that's interesting. I like that framing that it's table stakes in most industries. You have to do it. The discount starts the relationship, but that's the opportunity, as you said, the opportunity to then do something Mm -hmm. more with them. Mm -hmm. I like that. I just did some research um, that I'm going to be publishing called The Psychology of Points. And Mm. we use some of Forrester's uh, market research panel data and our technographics data to really dig into like how benefits make customers feel. And we found that every benefit type, whether it's cash back or something experiential and enhanced customer service does elicit an emotional reaction. It makes people feel excited or special. So not to say that companies have to get rid of their material benefits or their cash back promotions work. That's why companies still (laughs) use them. It's just a matter of, you know, how you use it and the types of emotions that you're eliciting in terms of intensity or longevity. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah, that's really interesting because even when I think about JetBlue, which is my loyalty (laughs) program of choice, even just when I board... Right. And they greet me by name and thank me for being loyal. Just that little moment there. I'm like, oh, this makes the fact that I fly constantly feel a little bit better. Yeah, there's that appreciation and recognition, not just, oh, here's your free flight. Right. Nothing monetary, even exchanging hand Mm -hmm. there. Yeah. So that's a really good point you bring up, Jenny, because if you have mosaic status on JetBlue, you get that Mm -hmm. treatment. That treatment, though, is enabled by something that they're data they're providing to employees that they haven't always provided. Because there was a few years ago when I noticed that on a few flights, they would know me. And mm-hmm. on other flights, they wouldn't. And then there was this awkward moment when I'd say, well, actually, I should be getting this drink for free because I'm Mosaic. And they'd oh, right. say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. And that's a weird handoff thing. But so I wonder how, does that come up at all in your research, that how companies enable employees to do a good job mm-hmm. of treating loyal customers oh, yeah. well? Mm-hmm. Oh, certainly. Because that mean, seems like a really thorny problem. Right. And, and if you think about what's problematic about loyalty programs is that if they are just a bolt-on and just a marketing program, you miss that opportunity to close the loop in that last mile of the experience. Now, as you know, that's the hardest piece of the experience to influence. And a lot of success depends on what does the customer expect from you and Mm -hmm. delivering on that expectation, right? So when I go to a Sheridan Four Points, I might want them to know be my name because they have it on their screen and they can (laughs) say my name, but I'm not expecting a St. Regis level experience. I want a few things to work. I want there to be free breakfast, fast Wi-Fi, like a desk in my room and to be clean and safe, but I'm not really expecting, you know, them to over the top deliver on my preferences. And in some cases, I don't really want that. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. I just kind of want to get in and get out and do my job. That does touch on one more thing I wanted to talk about with loyalty programs, though, which is the data that you get, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it's not even just that they are locked in and you have more communication, but also opens the door to gather more of that customer data. So then you can provide these better experiences. Mm-hmm. And so when I think about it from a CX or UX point of view, if we talk about how can you personalize, right? And how do you get the data to 
personalize mm-hmm. and create a better, more right. sticky experience. Well, a loyalty program is one of the ways to do that, mm-hmm. right? Because totally. then it builds our relationship and trust and they give more data. Is that yeah. something that you also find in the research as a perk of the loyalty program? I would say that I try to promote that as the top benefit of having yeah. a loyalty program <laughs> is that, you know, in this GDPR era, the data that mm-hmm. customers mm-hmm. collect can be contentious. And a loyalty program represents like a fully opted in, fully permissioned relationship with a customer. And a each point. customer is assigned a unique identifier that follows them wherever they authenticate. So you can piece together a really interesting view of the journey if you've set it up correctly. The challenge is that companies are collecting all of this data and don't necessarily have the infrastructure or the skills or the processes in place to really act on it. And so there's sort of a difference between the personalization that is deliberate and deterministic and customers recognize as personalized and then kind of the general personalization that they're doing at a segment level. To me, there's a missed opportunity between the opportunity you have with customers to collect that data and use it and what companies are actually doing. And we see a pretty big gap between when we survey marketers about what what data they're collecting and what they're actually using to personalize interactions. Now, mm-hmm. I also don't want to mm. over pivot because customers don't act that differently. Like we're not super special snowflakes, although we might think we are. <laughs> That's not what the parents said. Okay? <laughs> yeah. So it's not so much of like getting to a one-to-one level, but trying to close that gap between perception and reality, right. I think is the biggest opportunity. But closing that gap between perception and reality is really important because you as a company could think, oh, we're giving away, you know, 10% every year to our customers. Well, if they don't perceive that, then it's kind of a waste of money. Yeah. Yeah. And if it's the customers who are going to come anyways and spend the money anyways, so let's find some Mm -hmm. above and beyond value to give. Yeah. So I think that that's where when you think of the value proposition that a program should have, it's really about rewarding behavior, Mm -hmm. uh, incentivizing new behavior, recognizing and appreciating customers, and then hopefully engaging them with the brand in a way that's outside of just the traditional transactional Mm. experience. Mm -hmm. Whether it's you demonstrating something to them that builds that emotional connection where then they're willing to consider you above everyone else, or, you know, maybe you're engaging engaging them in different channels like social or something like that. Great. Emily, thank you for joining us. That was a really uh, interesting, uh, fast rundown of loyalty programs and their influence on the customer experience. We appreciate it. Uh, Listeners, we have posted some links to Emily's research in the show notes uh, so you can explore further how to think about loyalty programs and how to think about them as not just transactional systems, but rather things that are the starting point for greater engagement with some of your best customers. We'll talk to you all on next week's CXCast. Bye for now. If you have feedback or questions about this week's episode, please email us at cxcast, one word, at forrester.com. And remember, your customer's perceptions is your customer experience reality.